Hello, welcome to The Battleground Project, an experiment in Christian localism. I'm C.R. Wiley. And I'm Max Booth. On this podcast, we hope to discuss local issues from a Christian perspective. And while these issues are specific to our little town of Battleground, we hope that you'll find them helpful wherever you are. Welcome to the Battleground Project. It's great to have you here for this episode. I'm here with my friend Max. Hi there. How's it going, Chris? Yeah, it's going well. We've been away for a little while, but we're kind of getting back into the swing of things here. Now that the you know Christmas season is behind us, and we're kind of in that dull, you know, NCAA basketball season. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Anyway, we're joined by a friend, uh, Semi. Why don't you introduce yourself and let folks know uh, why we're talking to you today? (laughs) Oh well, thank you, Chris, and it's good to be with you too, Max. Um, Well, my name is Semi Bird. And I'm running for governor for the state of Washington. And uh, so far, we're doing great. We're what you would call the, the people's movement. And okay. it's, it's, it's wonderful because it's, this is an opportunity where we get back to our, our roots and our heritage mm-hmm. uh, as citizens, where we rediscover what it means to be a citizen of America, that we yeah. are that melting pot, right? Yeah. Well, that's a fascinating way to start. I do a lot of writing for different publications. One of the things that... Uh, has been lost on us is the concept of citizenship or the practice of citizenship. Now, we've, we've, come, we've kind of come to be like little nodes that are managed by the administrative state <laughs> rather yeah. than actual uh, citizens who have a role in our government. And then when it, we actually exercise our, you know, our right to vote, and, and if we don't vote the way that people like, then uh, they're mad at us. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, that's, that's it. And, and you said something. Um, and it's self-governance. Right. Managing ourselves and, and managing those who are voted in mm-hmm. or elected to actually serve the citizenry. Yeah. That put them in office. And that, that's that principle of self-governance that Thomas Jefferson talks about. What's unfortunate is when you say words like constitution yeah. and America and citizenship and self-governance, these are phrases that are often linked right wing as it's kind of crazy. So yeah. It's like, it's, no, that's just America. It's, it's America. <laughs> it's, it's America. And when you understand that, that concept, as, as I start to see that melting pot where we remember people came from all over the world, right? right? We, we came for religious freedom. We came for independence. We came for that liberty. For whatever your reason was, we finally resolved to say, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how you worship. It does not matter. You're here now. And as someone said to me from Ethiopia, um, in Seattle not too many weeks ago, she said when we were talking about the many issues in Washington state, myself and my people that I lead in this community, we have come too far to be free. Mm -hmm. And that resonated so deep with me. And I don't think people realize that so many legal immigrants to this country, they find themselves also concerned about what's happening. Oh, yeah. Well, Ethiopia had been Marxist for, for a while. I had a friend. Was, I, I, I was at Harvard. I was in Cambridge and between, between Harvard and MIT for about a decade. Oh, and wow. I had a friend who was a PhD from Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about just a range of things. Uh, one of those things being um, communism. And communism is a poison dipped in honey, he said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, it is. And if you think about Marxism and you, and you understand the concept of the, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat and you understand 
you know, it's we're doing this for the people. It's to raise the people up. Well, not exactly and or at all. It's simply to control the people. There's no freedom in that. It's simply to overthrow that power base, which is a problem in and of itself, whether you call it communism, Marxism, socialism, or even a broken democracy, whereas we are a constitutional republic, for that very reason, we have to realize what America is about and how we were formed and that power is inherent in the people that is true freedom. Mm-hmm. That is true liberty if we self-governance yeah. and hold it. Yeah, yeah. Reminds me of Lenin. Lenin uh, is notorious for many things, but one of the things he said is that <laughs> essentially communism is keeping track of everything. Yeah. You know, controlling everything, keeping track. So when you think about keeping track, what he meant is control. Absolutely. <laughs> it comes right. in different forms and it comes right. in, in different looks. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And right. We're, we're seeing it right now. I, I would say one of the greatest threats to our constitutional republic right now is this presumption that candidates, for example, myself included, that we are selected by the political power or the wealthy elite, yeah, yeah. otherwise known as the establishment. Right. And, and that becomes a problem for a constitutional republic or a government of the people, by the people, for the people, you're leaving out the people when you're talking about a wealthy few or political power. We need to get back to our roots and our heritage. And that's really the base and fundamentals of of why I'm running and uh, what I stand on, which is the constitution uh, of the United States. Well, you know, I lived in Connecticut this is another place I lived. Mm-hmm. One of the things about living in Connecticut you learn is that basically this state is controlled by the Gold Coast, which is right outside of New York City, and that's yeah. where all the money and, and influence yeah. is. And nobody likes it outside of Fairfield County. Now here, what's the county? What's the county? Clark County. Ca- here. Well, when, I know where we are, but oh. we don't think of ourselves as that wealthy place that controls the uh, you think you know, like King state. County. King County. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, I gotcha. Right. Well, people will say that right now. They, they say... You know, on the east side, right, east side of the state, or even uh, here on the west side, Clark County. I mean, I've heard it. I've been down here quite a bit. Yeah. Um, wonderful, wonderful. I love my Clark County. Yeah, it's a great place. And, and I hear people say, you know, no matter what we do, it's King County that controls the rest of the state. And th- that is not factually nor statistically accurate. It, it's, it's quite a bit of a ruse that's been perpetuated across the state. They may have the populace, and it seems as though... That is just the way things have consistently gone in terms of elections. But no, if folks stand up and stand strong together, you'd be surprised what we can accomplish. I mean, we've demonstrated that over millennia. So this is an interesting uh, way of looking at it. And I think, uh, you know, I'm on board with it completely. So essentially, uh, what I'm hearing you say is that when we say, what does it matter? King County runs everything. We become passive. We've we failed to actually exercise our rights and the, use the, the the avenues that we can you know use to influence things. We just sort of like concede it. Yes, uh, we're we're not self governing anymore. Right. I, yeah. Absolutely. We're, it's it's a form of capitulation. Yeah. It's right. a form of apathy, and we don't do justice for all of those who have came before us. Right. Who fought for, died for, sacrificed all for. America and the principles upon which we stand. And and I will say this, similarly and relatively to this race, this governor's race, where we have different individuals running and, you know, for the other gentleman running as a Republican, you know, supported by that 
mm-hmm. political power and wealthy um, elite, that they'll, they'll say, well, Simi Bird has not raised over that million dollar threshold, right? Simi Bird does not have the money nor can he win in King County. That that's literally mm. what what we've heard, and it's and people are buying into this. Yeah, overstepping the concept of principles, mm-hmm. values, mm-hmm. platform, positions, solutions. What do we stand for? It's yeah. it's like no, when it all costs, and I, I I dare to say, you know, we can we can forget about that. That same argument was made in which put Nazi Germany, sure. Nazi Germany, but right. Let's think about America, 1776, mm-hmm. right? Money, name brand recognition. We we went up against the British Empire. Right. We're going to talk about money and resources. They, they outgunned us, outmanned us, and it was 3% of the population that dared to stand up that's for a, a set of values. Yeah, that's a great thing to remember. Yeah, Because I think that sometimes when we, when we think about the past, we kind of look at it through a kind of lens that, that distorts it. And in this case, you know, we, we probably thought, oh, yeah, everybody. You know, everybody was just sort of running out of their house with their gun yeah. ready to fight. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. Not so much. Not right, so much. Right. And, I mean, and they think about what they sacrificed. Yeah. You know, they, it, it, was a, it was a traitorous action. It was a, they were branded as traitors to the crown, mm-hmm. um, punishable by death. Yeah. Um, so you lose your business. You lose your livelihood. You lose everything. Yeah. Fighting for freedom, liberty, and why? Because of taxation without proper representation for, for your rights, human rights. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Thomas Paine, we can, I could talk your ear off on, on, on that gentleman, but yeah. so much. We have forgotten our heritage, which begs the question, why did we stop teaching civics thoroughly in schools? Well, probably because there was a group of people who didn't like what the <laughs> message that would be con- in the message that would have been conveyed. Absolutely, and or seeding for right. a future of our society where citizens forgot what self-governance actually is, and or what a constitutional republic actually is, and that it is a significant difference from a traditional democracy. Mm-hmm. In, in this country, our founders were audacious enough. To say that we're going to beat the British Empire and the Empire, then after we're going to give power mm-hmm. to the people. And Elizabeth Powell, when Dr. Franklin was exiting Independence Hall, you know, approached him and said, "Dr. Franklin, what have you created? Is, is it a monarchy or a republic?" And he obviously said, "It's a republic, ma'am. If we can keep it, right? Yeah, because sure. the." behavior of human beings is often to forget, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to move past, to become complacent. And in our case, we've stopped self-governing and here we are. Yeah. Well, this brings to mind the fact that there was a movement to make George Washington king. He uh, oh, yeah. turned it down. Mm-hmm. This is an interesting thing. I don't know if you're familiar with the the uh, the, uh, the history of Cincinnatus, uh, the Roman uh, patrician who saved Rome and then afterward went back to the farm. And so uh, Washington was called the American Cincinnatus and that's where the name Cincinnati actually came from. Cincinnati was named for George Washington. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. telling. No, it, yeah. it is. And speaking of George Washington, I... I and here I, we are in the state of Washington. Uh, we are. <laughs> no, we are. But, but I go to his farewell address of 1796. Yeah. Right. And, and President Washington at that time, mm-hmm. as he was exiting his office, he warned us of the party system. Yeah, that's true. And that the party system would devolve if we were to adapt it. It would devolve into a system that heightened and advocated for the political power 
and the wealthy elite of which we speak about today. Yeah, right, right. And, and at the disadvantage mm-hmm. of the citizens that this government was set up to serve. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where we're at right now. So he foresaw, he knew what would happen, and right. here we are. Right. Well, let's get into uh, uh, your platform a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, so uh, you're running for governor. Yes. We like you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> you guys. I do. You, you got my vote. Amen. Thank you, brother. So uh, why should other people vote for you that don't know you yet? Well, I, I think if I wanted folks to to, to know me, Simi Bird, um, as, a, as a person, that is important because it correlates much to my platform. I'm the, the kid who arguably started um, behind the eight ball, so to speak, you know, a single mom, pre-civil rights, without civil rights, right? Um, single mom in the inner city, poverty, and mom moved us to Seattle when I was six years old. From, where'd you, from where'd where? you come from? Uh, East Oakland, California. Okay. All right? And so, you know, that's kind r- of like rough the, area. Yeah, it's like the Compton of uh, it, the West Pretty much, right? And, you know, I, I would <laughs> right. say we kind of outdid Compton and <laughs> Southside Chicago and probably to this day still do. Yeah. But, yeah. but no, um, mom, you know, chose to put her children first. Great. And always. And I saw that sacrifice throughout my life. And so... Um, praise and power to single moms out there, yeah. right, who are struggling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but mom moved us to Seattle when I was six, um, raised in Seattle, dropped out of high school, um, K through 11, Ds and Fs, and some Cs sprinkled in there. Um, I've since accumulated some degrees and um, uh, scholarly honors, if you will. But it speaks to who I am, right? I have fallen down. I've gotten back up. Is that not, mm-hmm. you know, what, what America affords yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, that opportunity? That if you work hard, and we call this meritocracy, mm-hmm. right? And in a land of independence, uh, if you, you fall down, you get back up. You work hard or you work harder. But what you believe you can achieve, this is the greatness of this nation. And so I dropped out, went in the Marine Corps, um, served two terms, got in trouble, punched a person who had a problem with my permanent tan, and uh, <laughs> uh, which was okay, you know, kept my head up, right? And, and uh, got my promotion and uh, back, and honorable discharge, and uh, got my high school diploma, as I promised my mom. Um, went to college, got my bachelor's degree in business administration, summa cum laude, 4.0. Graduate degree from Villanova, speaking of NCAA. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, we'll come back. I was at uh, Villanova not too long yeah, ago. No, beautiful, yeah, no, beautiful, beautiful school, yeah. beautiful campus. Right. But, but, but literally, I'm finished up my PhD in organizational psychology. I just have to finish okay. up my research. But the reason I share that, um, it's because it, it demonstrates um, my background and who I am and mm-hmm. how I became who I am. And not to mention, post 9-11, I volunteered to serve in Army Special Forces in the United States Army. Mm-hmm. And became a Green Beret at age 43. Nice. Um, You know, Iraqi freedom, enduring freedom, multiple deployments, went into intelligence, came out of active service, went to the Washington Army National Guard, honored to be a citizen soldier. Yeah. Um, More deployments. Yeah. uh, Became a federal director, um, worked my way up from GS nothing to GS 14 out of 15. And so what I would call a successful career. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'd like to stop here just a second and get into something. It used to be the case that our political leaders looked at uh, military service almost like finishing school. Yeah. It was sort of like the thing you were expected to do. And now it's like almost hard. It's almost impossible to find one who has. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. It's people who don't know don't know. Military service, specifically in leadership, Mm -hmm. it hones your skill sets. Leadership in combat 
mm-hmm. hones your skill sets. It's one thing. And it also gets you in touch with a wide range of people. Absolutely. From, it does. from your own country. Absolutely. That you may not have ever had a chance to connect with otherwise. Right. Particularly if you're coming from some, you know, very uh, sort of privileged background. Right. <clears throat> You've never met anybody from you know, you know, the South or you from, from the inner city or something like that. Well, that, you know, that, and I say that gentleman that I had to pop in the nose, um, in the Marine Corps, yeah, right. Came right. from the South. And, and yeah. I call that ignorance. He wasn't an evil person mm-hmm. or a bad person, a very ignorant one, but mm-hmm. I'm sure he's a different person. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but, you get but, a punch in the nose can change it. Right. right, right. <laughs> Highly effective. It, it, it is. But even myself, right. I mean, even myself, you, you're absolutely right. It, it's, it's that blend, and that's one thing that the military does well. That and that was a rare instance, by the way. Yeah, a rare instance. Right. But no, it's 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 understanding cultures within the services, but it's also understanding cultures outside of the services. When you serve in the military, you travel many times yeah. all over the world. I've served all over the world. I mean, Far yeah. East Africa, yeah. East Asia. You know, many of us speak foreign languages. You know, myself, I spoke three different languages, and so. No, it, it opens your eyes. And as I was saying, when you serve and you lead in the military, specifically in combat, and you're, you're doing operational plans, you're making plans and making decisions that has an effect on people's lives. Yeah, I think that you really ought to lean into that. I mean, because I, 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 you know, my, my oldest son, he was recruited by Air Force and, and other uh, military academies. And I remember going to, to Air Force Academy, and we went to the uh, Barry Goldwater Welcome Center. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've ever been. Oh, here. I have. Yeah, <laughs> you walk in and they had a map of the United States and they had a pin in the map for where every cadet came from. So you know, you had a, a thousand cadets in the freshman class, and that's where they. And I looked at the distribution of pins. It was fascinating. Yeah, New York City, fourteen million people in the metro area, one pin. Yeah, New York, uh, New England, six states, six pins. Yeah, guess where all the pins were. Well, in the South and in, in Texas, a lot in California. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if, if we had many from this part of the country, but it, but it's really it was kind of brought home to me. You know, you think about like a guy like Jack Kennedy, you mm-hmm. know, Democratic politician. Absolutely. You know, PT one hundred nine. Yes. A, <laughs> yeah. you know, he was a he was a he was in the Navy. You know, you, and that was common. It was common for people from both parties to have Absolutely. spent time in the military in some area of service. Now it's like uh, the exception. It is. Uh, 0.4% of our population, to be exact, wow. actually serve um, in the military. And, you think and that contributes at all to, like, we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, saying certain things, Constitution, whatever, kind of has been branded as this, like, well, you must be a right-winger guy, and we're saying, well, that's just American. Yeah. Do you think, you think that the whole military discussion contributes to the decline in thinking about that just from all the standpoints. I mean, there's a patriotism, ele- patriotism element there. There's also uh, the travel. You go all over the world and quickly realize for whatever problems we have in America, they're not that bad or they're much preferred <laughs> right, to right. stuff you see yeah. everywhere else. And generally, I think you have people in other countries, regardless of what um, certain people here say about our country, other countries go. Uh, we'd we'd like to be there. Yeah. That's cool. We appreciate that. We're we're glad. You know what I mean. And so I don't yeah, know when you yeah. have a problem, when you have a problem with people getting in unauthorized, it's a good sign. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, yeah. So one hundred percent. You made two very very good points. N- number one, yes, it is a problem with a lack of patriotism and identity to America and an understanding of what America is. What is the America culture? 
that is something that I really want to bring back. And now I'm just going to pause that discussion for a moment to also focus on something that you said and or alluded to. You, you, you allude to the point that we become so entitled and so disconnected from the privilege that we have at birth of citizenship yeah. that so many other millions, well, billions throughout the planet, but millions who migrate here, um, they understand. And anyone yeah. who has traveled abroad understands we are mm -hmm. the greatest nation on the planet. I mean, we, for so many reasons, yeah, and I can yeah. spend a, we can have a whole well, this, discussion on that. This, this would be a great time to talk a little bit about immigration because I'm, yeah. I'm very pro-immigration when we're talking about doing it in the right way. Yes. You know, so and I, when I lived and worked in Boston, I worked with people, people from all over the world. I was involved in church planting amongst different uh, recently, you know, sort of uh, arrived mm -hmm. ethnic communities. Yeah. And, and one of the things you saw is the people who, who uh, got here really did understand this. They yeah. would work really hard. And so we are, have the virtue of the country of sort of, re, uh, sort of re, replenished mm -hmm. with this. Now, the problem, of course, is that there's a generation that comes up after them even who kind of lose sight of it. I had this fun, we were talking about Ethiopia, so me mm -hmm. back to my other, my, my friend. So he had a PhD from Harvard. And uh, he came home one day and told his kids to do something. And they said, we don't have to do what you say. This is America. <laughs> and he said, no, no, this is Ethiopia. America <laughs> ends at that door. <laughs> but, Love it. but, you know, but, what we, we all know is that uh, there's a kind of popular culture that's not genuinely uh, a, 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 a good reflection of America, but it's kind of almost alien, yeah. um, you know. And so a lot of young people are being acculturated into a kind of popular culture that's really harmful to them and to other people and losing touch with the virtues and the history and the institutions and the rights and the responsibilities of our, our, our heritage. Uh, absolutely. I love that you talk about heritage a lot. Yes. That, that seems to be the missing component. You know, all the founding fathers wrote all these documents to bind us to something. Yes. And the idea would be this will go away if you don't, do something to keep it, and the heritage is a big deal, how you bring those 100%. people up and do it. 100%, and, and part of our heritage also means growth and growing forward, right, as we grew up as a nation. Like any other society, we've had our dark times, our dark periods, you know, we, we, we lack to understand the value of women. And so we had women's rights that we fought for, 19th Amendment, and then we, 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 we did not value all humans equally as we codified in the Declaration of Independence, and I could cite that verbatim, it took us a while to mature to what we codified. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But we did mm -hmm. through heroes mm -hmm. um, such as Martin Luther King Jr. and mm -hmm. then civil rights, so that we have the 13th, the 14th, the 15th Amendment. It's important to understand we grew up, we grew forward, mm -hmm. and part of our heritage is to understand and value. Yeah. Yeah. That we transitioned, that we came through that darkness into the light. Yeah. Now, here's a, here's an interesting thing to think about. So I'm a pastor, and I know you're a believer. Mm -hmm. so, I mean, and so are you, Matt. Absolutely. And one of the interesting things about the Old Testament is we get not just the good days, but the bad days yeah. with a lot of our you know Old Testament saints who Absolutely. had some really bad days. Absolutely. You think about David. You think about a even Abraham. You know, mm -hmm. tell them you're my sister. You know, yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So so we get we get the we get the the warts and the good side. Mm -hmm. 
we need to grow up as a, uh, as a, as a country and recognize that we can still honor people yes. who had faults. Yes. Yes, and, and, and love and forgive. Yeah. That is it. And, and we have to get past, you know, one of the things that I, I have found um, running for office and for me, this is that, that great calling um, of selfless service, that great calling to say it is a time to bring forward individuals who are willing to put others ahead of themselves. Military service, as you said, sure, right? right? That's something that we understand in leadership. It's not about us. It's about those mm-hmm. who serve with us side by side, who we serve mm-hmm. if we're in leadership. Um, but to put our nation and our community and our state above ourselves, mm-hmm. that we, we, we have a, there's a higher calling here. And, and that is yeah. to bring forward knowledge, skills, and abilities to, to, to realize the greater, well, the greater side of what Washington really is, mm-hmm. that, that we together, if we stand, we can realize that Washington is that Emerald City, right? Seattle is that yeah, Emerald City, yeah. that we are that beautiful state. And so I guess what I would say is I have seen the darkness as I'm running for governor where people were so quick to judge and, and crucify, if you will, right? Look for any little thing, almost like they are looking for this Manchurian candidate. Yeah. And I lean forward into it and I say, if, if you want to talk about a skeleton in my closet, let me just open the door, bring it out and dance with it right in front of you <laughs> because I am not ashamed of who I am. Yeah, yeah. I will never hide who I have been. I have grown forward just like our nation and I am proud of the man that I will say God made me to be. That's great. And, and, That's great. and, and thankful in that and yeah. the, the young man that my mother raised me to be. Mm-hmm. And so, but no, of the people, by the people, for the people, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we need to start focusing on the issues and start talking about, as we started to, solutions. That's where those yeah. platforms come from, right? Yeah. So let's go ahead and talk about some. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, right now we talk about the lawlessness in Washington state. You know, recently it's making the papers that we're number one in the nation for retail theft. Wow. Retail theft, number one in the nation. And why so many businesses are moving out of Washington state. We have Attorney General Ferguson who's running for governor. And, And I am not a name caller. I don't do the blame thing. That's not accountable behaviors, but focusing on facts and acknowledging reality is simply this. How can you be the chief law enforcement officer of our state and then allow rape to increase by 51%, property crime to increase by 73%, murder to increase by 95% to be, as I said, number one for retail theft, but also number two or three for auto theft. Yeah. And what what is the byproduct? Well, all of our insurances are going up. Right. Right. Everybody pays for it, either with their lives or with their checking accounts. So, yeah. Speaking of insurance, I've got a home back in Connecticut still. And so I thought, hey, no biggie. I've got I bought a home here. You know, I'm just going to use my same auto insurer. And they said, no, no, we won't. No, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) we're fine with you in Connecticut, but we're not so good. Now, here's another story that ties into this. And it's kind of crazy. I'm on the board of a a developer in Seattle and we had an excavator like a, a like a you know, $375,000 piece of machinery mm-hmm. stolen in broad daylight, and they had it on film. They, the, the guy guiding, getting in and driving. And so they went to the police and asked them for, you know, to, to file a report, and they said, well, we don't, we don't pursue criminals anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. nuts. It, it, well, of course it is. <laughs> and, 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 and again, if we, we look at this, enforcing the law and the rule of law 
That's not political. Yeah. And I'd like to let everyone know who listens to this, nothing that I bring forward in terms of solutions with actions, as I call them, is political. It's common sense, and it applies to every citizen. Yeah. Public safety is a citizen right. Mm-hmm. It's in our preamble of the Constitution. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and so, no, it's time to bring leadership. Mm-hmm. It's time to talk about solutions. It's time to give law enforcement back their rights to enforce the law. Mm-hmm. It's time to bring that real change. And so more of the same with career politicians, it's not going to work well for, for the citizens of Washington State. But it's time to get back to that heritage we were talking about. I'm a career American. And when I mean, when I say that, knowledge, skills, and abilities, it's like applying for a job. The chief executive officer of Washington State, I want you to look at my resume. Get past the smoke and mirrors of, you know, attacks, attacks. Look at my resume and then ask yourself, does this gentleman have the know-how to bring about a better Washington? And is this person the statesman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's that- important. Our state needs versus the core politician that we typically see and that they typically run. And I will assure them that I am equal to the task. And so lawlessness must be reversed. We must hold those prosecutors and those judges accountable to the rule of law. And if they refuse to, we will bring forth the law to hold them accountable to the rule of law. If you're not supporting your oath of office, your encountervention of your oath of office, and I will find a legal precedent or legal basis by which to remove you from your position. Mm -hmm. So that's bold. That that is a statement I'm saying publicly and I will enforce. At the very least, you will be known as someone with a public safety rating Mm -hmm. come election time, Mm -hmm. high or low, Mm -hmm. that is either supported public safety or compromised public safety by either your action to enforce the law or your inaction yeah. by a turnstile type court. So we're going to bring accountability to our legal system. We're going to bring this new concept of reciprocity of certification in law enforcement, which simply means this. Washington state ranks last. We have the lowest number of law enforcement officers in the nation. So th- I'm seeing some things connect here. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? And so when we talk about solutions, well, we need to bring in and plus up our law enforcement yeah. officers. And so reciprocity simply means if you come from, from Fort Worth, Texas, and you've been a law enforcement officer down there, well, all you need to know is the revised code of Washington, the RCW. Gotcha. So you come up here, we're going to have a streamlined process where You'll be with a field training officer, an FTO, just like any rookie coming out of the academy, the Criminal Justice Training Center. Within 90 days, I ascertain you will be qualified to be on your own, right? And so that's literally that period of time in the academy where you're learning, mm-hmm. right, um, criminal traffic and, right, and mm-hmm. the RCWs. And then now we're recruiting more officers yeah. instead of canceling them out. Yeah. And well, this is great. So uh, basically law uh, enforcement. Law enforcement, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's a great piece. That's a great plank of the platform. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, a uh, couple things, you know, we, we should probably kind of move things a little f- along yeah. here yeah. since, uh, you know, we, I'd love to talk to you all that day, was, but, as <laughs> yeah, as but the I restaurant better. would probably like us to eat some food. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's one plank. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to like oh. really stress? Oh, absolutely. So, you know, uh, law enforcement and, and the economy. 
we tax everything. The only thing we're not taxing as of yet is breathing. I'm sure that's coming, <laughs> right? Because they're gonna they're gonna find a way to, to bring climate change in there. Because as we exhale, we're gonna pay a tax on that. Um, mark my words. And that's yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm laughing, joke. but I'm, I'm kind oh, of I groaning know, inwardly. Right? You're processing that because what do we exhale? Right? Sure. We're carbon emitters, and right, so right. no. And so uh, we need to. And I will say this as as a solution: I will bring a moratorium on taxes. No more tax increases under my administration for the first term in office. That's four years, no tax increases because day one I get in office, I'm gonna call for a third party audit of all state programs and all state offices. Nice. Um, I'm a behavioral scientist. And so what I do as a business consultant, I go into corporations and I help them run more effectively, more efficiently, Lean, Six Sigma, and all the different methodologies to streamline and perform could you imagine that in Olympia? We're, we're yeah. efficient. We're effective. Right, right. right? Efficient government. What a concept. Exactly. So we're <laughs> saving money. So right. instead of tax and spend, tax and spend, yeah. well, we don't have to tax as much because we're spending less because we're more effective. We're more efficient. And so being the highest liquor tax in the nation, where's that money going? Where's the marijuana tax? Where's the gambling tax? Where are all those taxes going? Yeah. And, and no one is accountable for the money. Once it goes in the general fund, no one knows, well, we will be not only accountable, but transparent. So we're going to be lean and we're going to be more effective and more efficient. And so we're going to bring tax relief to citizens. We'll make housing affordable because we're going to partner with developers. We're going to make it more effective, more efficient for them to get their 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 licenses, right? Or their, their uh, permits, yeah. their building permits. So sure. we're going to make that quicker instead of doing away with natural gas for electric and what they call alternative energy resources. No, we hold you to hydro. We bring in portable nuclear, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we become energy independent. There's so many solutions. Yeah. And yeah. so I went from economy to energy independence, just yeah. like that. Um, and so much. The They're homelessness linked, issue. They're very closely linked. Oh, you they, know, well, I mean, they are. Yeah. Oh, it, it is because you say we're spending billions of dollars on homelessness which is a mental health and addiction issue. And they, they say, no, it's a housing issue. Yeah. Well, we don't have enough housing units in Washington state, but we penalize builders and developers. Sure. Well, here's, here's what I, this is, this is right up my, my alley because mm -hmm. I was involved in urban ministry in Boston during the crack years. Mm -hmm. And I would talk to people a lot on the street about, you know, why they were on the street and almost, uh, Every single one of them, and when I'd ask them, do you have a place to go? And they say, yeah. And I say, well, why aren't you there? Well, because my mother doesn't want me or my brother doesn't want me. And yep. I say, well, why is that? Mm -hmm. Well, it's because I stole the microwave. <laughs> well, sure. This kind of yep. stuff. So because they have these habits that, you know, they're, they're, they need help with. But getting back to your point, it's not about a lack of housing. It, it, it's not. And so that's why we have spent billions of dollars and homelessness is up 15 to 25%, depending on the research. And we can, we're going to continue to spend taxpayer dollars on a failed Yeah, and the, and the reason is, is because there are certain political philosophies that refuse to deal with the moral dimensions of life. Exactly. They, just want, they just want to have that, you know, sort of superficial... Uh, approach, yeah. which is uh, designed to placate their own consciences, but at the same time, don't actually solve a thing. No, and that's not compassion. Yeah. They, they, these folks, they are loved and they are wanted back home. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to bring solutions to get them back home. And it is, it's that treating mm -hmm. that, that darkness of addiction. I know I lost my nephew last year mm -hmm. to addiction. So mm -hmm. 
it touched me personally. Yeah. I've seen it, and I've been out in the streets. And so we have a solution with action, and I publicized it on my, on my website. We need to bring in that treatment. We also need to bring in an institutionalized approach, which simply says this. You cannot live in the streets, right? You're in violation of the law, mm-hmm. but we will create an inpatient program, whereas we will get you off the streets, we'll get you into clean living spaces, right? We will bring treatment for you. And then once you get clean, we will bring in certification and job training. We need trades, sure, right? And then when you graduate from the program, we partner with our small business community and we have job placement. Mm -hmm. And so your recidivism rate, which is high among opioid addiction, goes down exponentially because the recidivism goes down because they have a job. Mm -hmm. There's no triggers. And then we reintegrate them with their families who have been loving them and missing them. Mm -hmm. And so... This what is they haven't been missing is the drug addiction. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah. But right. they miss the person. They miss the person. That's it. <laughs> right. right. That's to your point about them being loved. Big problem we have today is defining what love is. Exactly. Right? You know, it's like, yeah. well, they, they love them. They don't love the drug addiction. That's and, it. And love means sometimes you got to get out of here until this gets fixed. You can't right. be around here. Right. Hence the phrase tough love. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's true compassion is getting them the treatment that they need. And so treatment-based housing. Right, not just housing first and then treatment. Treatment-based housing, integrated education. Our education system is broken. We we always find a way to pass a law like um, uh, DEI and 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 the, all these concepts of dividing us and shifting blame instead of teaching children how to be resilient. Our education systems should be centers of academic excellence. We should focus on that. Right now in Washington State, if you average all the school districts, English and language arts, only 50.9% of all students met grade level standards. Mm. Math, only 37.7% mm. met yeah, grade yeah. level standards. And science, 419 made grade level standards. And so, but yet we graduate them at an 83% rate right. and it costs us $19,000 per student. So our education system is broken. Well, we're gonna stop paying them for bad service and bad education. And it's not our teachers that are to blame, right? We need to give our teachers back their classroom. We need to stop bringing in this top-down, DEI-packaged online curriculum and get back to the basis of academic excellence. That's what schools will be held accountable for. They are number one in our budget, approximately 44% of our state budget, and so they're gonna have to earn it. You wanna get paid, you need to earn it. So I'd like to know, and, I, and I'm not asking you to tell me off the top of your head what this is, but, I, but I'm, I've been involved in education my entire adult life at the, at the, uh, at the level of higher education. And what you, what you see in that world um, is what I assume is happening everywhere in education. That is the sort of the bloat of the bureaucracy and, and sort of the, uh, uh, sort of the starvation of the actual people on the ground who actually do the work. So I can think about the fact that most... Um, most universities now are depending upon adjunct uh, professors mm-hmm. and uh, teachers, sort of assistants or professors' assistants. And um, at the same time, the bureaucracy—it's almost like almost like a one-to-one or two-to-one in some situations, where you have two administrators per for every professor. Yeah, and so you know what you're saying is I, I interpret it as it's bloated at the top mm-hmm. and at the base level where where that is the true value of yeah. educating children in the classroom. That is what that is what our education system is for to educate our children. 
that is where the resources belong with those teachers, with those educators. That's what we should be supporting, making sure they have the right curriculum and the right resources to bring that academic excellence that we will insist upon. And I support school choice. So I, I support bringing alternative education, mm-hmm. which is school choice. I support homeschooling, mm-hmm. right? And giving parents a choice, valuing parents' participation as the primary stakeholders in their children's upbringing. That, that is what our government in Washington state is going to champion, that's, parents' rights. That's great. That's great. Yeah, that's so uh, here we are in Battleground and Clark County. Is there anything in particular about our area that you know about, that we don't know about, that we should know about? Well, here's what I would say to, to, to Battleground and Vancouver and, and the surrounding areas. There's a lot of things that happen at the state level um, that get passed that, that citizens down here are paying taxes on, right? And so that Climate Commitment Act, when you go to the gas pump here in Battleground, you're paying way too much for gas, 50 cents more per gallon and 63 cents more for diesel. Um, Our electrical grid, you may have gotten uh, notices um, during the freeze when they were saying, don't use this much uh, electrical energy, but at the same time, they're proposing to cut out natural gas, Yeah. right? And so all those dysfunctional laws that are being forced down our throats in Olympia has to change taking away your Second Amendment rights, whether you're a gun enthusiast or not, you have a constitutional right. It's Article 1, Section 24 of the Washington State Constitution, which gives us more protections mm-hmm. than the Second Amendment. Yeah. So what I would say is this, Article 1, Section 1 of the Washington State Constitution, we need to remember that power is inherent in the people, that government derives their just powers from the consent of the governed. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, it is government's job to protect and to maintain the individual rights of citizens. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. They right. serve us. We don't serve them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've had conversations with public officials that go right down that line. <laughs> yeah, well, they, well, they yeah. don't understand. Yeah, well, here's, here's kind of to bring this into a landing here, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I'm a pastor. Yeah. You know, Max actually goes to my church. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so we know you're a believer. Is there yes. anything you want to share with us about uh, your Christian faith? Yes. You know, I would. And, and I, I lean into it. You know, you know, Article 1, Section 11 of the Washington State Constitution says, when it comes to all things religion um, and faith, we have a right to believe as we choose to believe. We have a freedom of consciousness is what it says in our Constitution. It sounds like you've actually read the Constitution, oh, yeah. which is pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I, I read scripture every morning uh, as my therapy. Um, and I read our, our the documents from our founding fathers. I read our U.S. and our state constitution. Um, when I dropped out of high school, it wasn't from a lack of capacity. Um, so I've read the entire Constitution. I nice. memorize quite a bit of it Great. because I believe in it. And, and so, no, um, I think it's important for people just to understand the basics of, of, of faith is simply this. Treat your neighbor as you would mm-hmm. have them treat you. Mm-hmm. Um, love, mm-hmm. grace, mm-hmm. you know, Colossians 3.12, right? Yeah. Clothe yourself in, mm-hmm. in kindness, compassion, gentleness, sure. humi- mm-hmm. right, humility. And these are things that Scripture teaches us. It's interesting to note, too, the preamble to the state constitution. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, yes. It it's, it's acknowledges God it as, does. as the creator and the yeah. grantor of our rights. Yeah, well, we, the people of Washington State, mm-hmm. grateful to the supreme ruler of the universe, right. established this constitution of Washington he's got, State. He's got to memorize. Yes, I, I do. I love it. I, again, I fact that on verbal deeds, not words, and so no, I really have memorized it. But but no, it, it, it is important. And again, for someone who does not believe, you have a, a right 
to your non-belief. And, and I will support you in your right. Mm-hmm. The because, Constitution because God gave it to you. Exactly. Well, there you go. I, I love it. Oh, I, I love it. No, Thomas Paine will say something different, right? Yeah. But no, it, it is. That's America. Mm-hmm. People came here for religious freedom, right? And for and for many reasons, not everybody, but people did. Well, here, and, here, here's a fun thing. Yes. Yeah, so I'm a Presbyterian. Yes. So basically, Presbyterians say uh, America owes its freedom to Presbyterians with guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Because, you know, King George, said, when he'd heard about the, the revolution, he said, it's a Presbyterian oh, revolt. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> I do remember that now. There's some great books, uh, the, the Black Robes Rebellion. Oh yes, uh, great books. Oh no, if you if you read history, it's fascinating. Yeah. But, but no, re- really, I'm I, I all the best um, comes out of faith for for me, and and it's all just human decency, mm-hmm. and right. And so I tell anyone who who will listen to this, remember if if you say you're a Christian, if you say you 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 believe in God, or whatever your faith, bring that forward and love your neighbor. As yourself, that, that that's all I would ask. Um, bring that grace to one another. That is what we need more of. That's what is going to save Washington State. Us coming together as citizens, united. Yeah, that's a, that's a great note to end on. Did you have something you wanted to say, though? Max? Yeah, one last thought. I mean, I yeah. think the way we can do that. You touched on it earlier. You know, recognizing people in our past, our fathers, so to speak, have given us things, and even though those men and women weren't perfect and had their moral failings, their flaws, or the things they just didn't know any better about mm-hmm. at the time. One of the ways we can love our neighbor is that, respecting those traditions that have been handed down, even recognizing, okay, yeah, these people didn't have it all together. It's a growing nation, and a hundred years from now, someone's gonna look at us and go, they didn't have that figured out, you know, but we can honor those traditions and get back to this heritage, oh, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, someday uh, they'll say, natural gas, they, they wanted to make natural gas illegal, that, that saved the yeah. world. Right, <laughs> no, yeah, right, exactly. No, it is, it, again, it goes back to human decency and, yeah. and seeing the best in one another. Someone has gotta stop the nonsense, and I say this, Leaders unite, leaders don't divide. And so it is my it is my desire to bring unity to Washington State, to bring common sense to Washington State, and to bring human decency back to Washington State. But from a governor's position, oh, we're gonna bring transformational change. We are going to bring prosperity. We're gonna clean up our state, clean up our streets. Um, this will be a beautiful place to raise a child. Um, people will be flocking to Washington State, uh, no pun intended with the bird last name, um, <laughs> instead of this mass exodus from Washington State. Right, and right. so the, the best is ahead of us. And so have hope, yeah. stay tuned, and I hope people go to birdforgovernor.com, yeah. birdforgovernor.com. Yeah, I'm and glad you're finishing on a little bit more. Yeah, yeah I was about yeah. to ask you, is there, how, how yeah. do we follow you? Yeah, there yeah. You go. No, I appreciate you guys, I really do. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, Sammy. This has been great. And we appreciate you listening to the Battleground Project. And we'll wrap it up for now. See you next time. Yep, see you next time. Thanks, you guys. Yeah, and and all the best. I'm not joking. I'll vote for you. You guys are awesome. (laughs) You guys are awesome. (laughs)